Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And I am excited to welcome today, Henry Doth to the show. Henry, welcome. Thanks for having me, Esty. Beautiful Fine. Friday, right? <laughs> Beautiful. Life is good. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk to you. You have a very interesting history. So you started your first business in 1991, selling, installing, mm-hmm. and servicing and financing computers to large corporations. I'm excited to hear a little more about that. Um, and since then, you founded a successions of firms in e-commerce, finance, real estate, and consumer products. So for the past decade, you've taken your experience as an entrepreneur and used it to coach other business owners and founders, which is what we're all about. And in 2019, you self-published a 432-page book, Everything You Need to Know About How to Grow and Manage Your Money. And you've got a 20-week course on it. And you write screenplays, play golf, travel when you're not on lockdown, <laughs> as we all, um, and Settlers of Catan with your three sons. There's so much to talk about. Okay, I want to try to condense what I think would be a worthwhile 15 hours of conversation into the short time we have. And just take me back to 1991. How do you start a business servicing, selling, installing computers to corporations? And then how do you transmute, if you will, those skills into all the other industries? What were the foundational principles that you've been operating on all these years? So, so the, the other part of that question would be, how do you start a business before the internet, right? That's true. Uh, because that re- it, it does predate the internet, which is kind of interesting because I talk to a lot of people and I coach a lot of people and, and they don't know of a world without, you know, cell phones and broadband and all these things that um, some generations just think was always here. Right. right. Just like our parents with, you know, that newfangled TV where they used to huddle around the radio and who knows what it was before that, you know. I think you know, my children thought that Google was a person, by the way. <laughs> yes, Google. Yeah, Barney Google, right? That goes back to um, the 1940s, I think. That's what I don't know what that is. What's yeah, there Barney? was a guy named Barney Google. Google, Barney Google. There was a guy. Really? Barney, okay, Googly, Barney Google with the goo-goo googly eyes. I think it might have been a song from the 40s. <laughs> I'm going to definitely look yeah, that up. I'm going to have to look that one up. So you learned something new. Nope, sorry. That's Elvis barking in the background. It's like, like a three-ring circus. I don't think my wife realizes that I'm on a podcast. We have a bit of a crowded house there. I've got two, two 20-something kids working remotely. My uh, youngest was here until about uh, two weeks ago, and then he went back to college. So, um, yeah. And plus, we moved here six months ago. So now we're oh, not wow. in New York anymore. When we're in, we are in bear country, rural Connecticut. I drive down my road, and I will see a bear. Wow. I, mean, I saw one the other day. He's adorable. But you have to scare him off because you don't want them to be uh, comfortable with people. Well, la- but anyway. Last week's guest is from Utah, and he and his mom went hunting for bears with bows and arrows. So. Wow. Well, that's where, <laughs> that's where Mark, Mark goes to school in Salt Lake City, goes to U of U. We're going to be driving out there in a couple of weeks. But anyway, get back to 1991. Yeah. So I was working um, for a subsidiary of the New York Stock Exchange at the time. Okay 
a company called SIAC. We built all the computer systems, but I always, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. What I, what I knew was from growing up where people were doctors and lawyers and self-employed and my uncles ran a, a business in Brooklyn. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's where, that was the, the roadmap that I saw, but I also knew enough that, that you can use corporate America as a really good you know, training ground. So all you entrepreneurs who are out there who are maybe, you know, working through cubicle world, um, don't fret, right? It's a, it is a great place for you to, to learn your chops, right? Pay attention. Look at the world around you. Look at how your companies run. Look at what they do well. Look at what they do poorly. So, um, you know, I, I segment businesses in, in, um, into sort of two discrete buckets. They are the, there's the the uh, accidental business and there's the purposeful business um and interestingly i find a lot of folks and a lot of folks i've coached and a lot of folks i know who are entrepreneurs fall into that first category right an accidental business what does it mean right in my case college friend needed some computers for his clients he couldn't get them out in the world he asked me i said yeah i think i can help you out and before you know it, he's just feeding me business. I didn't really intend to start an IT company, but I had the one thing that everybody wants, sales, right? Everything else I can figure out. But I had low-hanging fruit. I had all these sales. And that, and that origin story is not unusual. The other side is the, you know, is the purposeful business where you actually sit down with a piece of paper and you say, I'm going to write a business plan for this business idea I have, right? And I'm going to look at all the moving parts. Um, a lot of people do that, but then when they go through the analysis, they realize, wow, there's a lot of stuff here. I don't want to do this. So sometimes um, kind of ignorance is bliss. You're better off not knowing and sort of learning it by the seat of your pants. Because if you really knew what you were in for, <laughs> you, you wouldn't do it. You'd say, heck, I'm going to stay working for somebody else. It's nice and comfortable here. I don't have all these worries as an entrepreneur. Um, but I did it and I never looked back. And I learned everything um, kind of as I went um, without sounding too self-serving because I'm a business coach. I wish I had hired a coach sooner. I didn't hire a coach until I was ready to break up with my partner. Maybe if I'd hired him sooner, uh, I could have avoided all of that. Uh, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Hard to know. I had coaches all my years. So yeah, it goes, yeah it's it really, really back. hard to tell. Um, but it was a good decision at the time. And I've had business coaches on and off um, over the years, just like I've had therapists on and off. You know, I need them for a certain time period. And then I kind of reach homeostasis and I'm like, everything's kind of chill for a little while. And so, yeah, I can go around the world on my own. Yeah. Yeah. It comes in so, waves. Exactly. So, what principles did you use across all the different companies? Right. The computer one, e commerce, finance, real estate, consumer products. Those are all wildly different. I know as a business consultant myself, I worked with all of them. There right. are principles that that run across sure. their underlying business principles. Um, but I kind of want to hear from you, which which pieces did you carry that enabled you to do Well, I'm, I'm actually working on a new book now, which has the unlikely title of Codfish. So, <laughs> and I've told this story on, on other podcasts, but I'll tell it very briefly. I'm on a coaching call a number of years ago and, and we're, we're delineating the different disciplines within any business, right? You have human resources, you have operations, you have sales and marketing, and I'm scribbling them down. And we came up with seven of them. And then afterwards, I looked at that and I said, gee whiz, I wonder if these seven actually spell a word. So I Googled 
like acronym creator, right? I couldn't think of the term yes. to do it. And where does it take me? It took me to a Scrabble site because Scrabble's seven yes, times. Yes, that's how I've done it also. Yeah. And so I've, I ended up up and I've been site. like, I have these letters. I have these things. Can right. I make a word? And I put into Google, make a word out of yeah. A-L-C-D-T. Exactly. You know? So I'm on the Scrabble site and I put the letters in and it spells codfish. So what does codfish stand for? Customer support, operations, development, finance, infrastructure, sales and marketing, human resources, right? right? So I had this codfish model. And then I went out with all my clients and other people, and I tried to find things that didn't fit into one of these, I call them silos, right? Mm -hmm. Because in a lot of businesses, these things are siloed. But I also found these graphics that I really liked, which shows silos. Uh, and I do these drawings. And um, I couldn't find anything that didn't fit into one of these seven. So I started using that as, as a little bit of a framework when I work with my clients. Um, and what I've discovered is uh, going back to the, the origin story of any company, where did, which silo did it start in? Because almost every company you can, you can point to one. So my first company, Abacus Solutions, um, I actually put that in the customer support silo. You could buy computers from anybody 30 years ago, right? Why buy from me, right? What was the, the, the unique value proposition? Mm -hmm. And it was really just, you know, we were, we were what was called a value-added reseller. And people say, what's your value-add? And I would say, me. You want to do business with me because I'm just better than the other guy. It was no more mystical than that. Uh, or maybe that is mystical. Um, but I've talked to other people whose businesses, you know, came out of finance. I got a whole pot of money and now I want to start a business, right? Or they come out of the sales and marketing channel, right? Or, you, you know, I, I could argue that the first business came out of the sales and marketing channel because I had low hanging fruit for sales. Right. Um, and a business that comes out of human resources is someone who's pulling together other people. And yeah, you have a team out of that. I got a team. Now, what do we do? Right. I got a, I got a team, a really good team, That's but very interesting. I got to figure out what sport am I going to play. Also, every business is origin comes from one of these. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Now let's take it one step further. If okay. I talk to the entrepreneur themselves, I will challenge it. And I will say, look, out of these seven disciplines, there's probably two that you're really, really good at and really comfortable with. There's probably three in the middle that you're okay with in a pinch, but it's, you're not really too great. And there's probably one or two that are your Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. And if you ask people to just step back and do it, they'll come and say, yeah, I'm really good at operations and I'm really good at finance, uh, but I suck at sales and marketing, mm -hmm. right? That's very, that's very common, right? Or people may say, um, I'm really good at the sales and marketing stuff, but I, uh, my infrastructure is awful and my human resources is a train wreck because I'm always hiring the wrong people. Right. Cause it's also, it's different personality types, it's different skill sets. Sure. Right? People absolutely. who have a sales and marketing skill set, they're, they're creative, they're, they're good communicators, but they're not necessarily orderly. Right. So their infrastructure can be a mess. And then their ability to sell to people is very different. Their ability to manage people. Sure. Managing, is, managing is hard for a lot of people, people who are playing the, you know, the so-called visionary role, mm -hmm. right. Um, versus say the operator, right. The, right. Operator the operators maybe, who are good at numbers and infrastructure and right. operations, 
are we couldn't sell not, you know couldn't sell anything not great with people not right. great with customer support they've got right. a fantastic back end i like this model this is very i never heard anyone say this before i, I always oh, break it course, down I, it. <laughs> I love it i love it also because it also comes from the more corporate like the bigger space like i live in the micro business world right what we now call business hobbyists if you will okay. um like the under 50k revenue or profit space and in that like space, side I would, hustle, as we would call it, I don't yeah. even call it a side hustle. So I've been calling it micro businesses for a micro, long time. That's interesting. Micro business. Okay. I call it a micro business where it's like a solopreneur to like a 20 person company max. Usually they have like two, three people, but sometimes they have up to 20 freelancers. They're still a micro business. They're still earning mm -hmm. seven figures, often under six figures in profit. To me, those are micro businesses. That's my world for the last 12 years. And I recently just heard someone's coin this term they didn't coin it they probably got it from somewhere but i'd never heard it of a business hobbyist whose business is relegated almost to the form of hobby because they can't make it sustainable um interesting it seems oxymoronic to me because a hobby is a business where you don't get paid as soon as you well, take many money, of these business owners somebody, you're, are you're a business <laughs> they're barely if getting paid right some of them are paying <laughs> i've worked with business owners who don't even realize they're paying to do some of their services. Well, I call that. I was I was talking to somebody the other day, and I coined a term. I called it the uh, the the entrepreneurial discount, right? <laughs> because you, as the entrepreneur, are really working at a discount. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, if they were paying themselves the real the real value of what they were putting into the business. Uh, they probably wouldn't have enough money to pay themselves. So they they sort of cavalierly discount their services. But then you look at it and say, look, if the if the overarching objective, and I preach this to people, this is the idea that you should be obsoleting yourself as the business owner. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks, they don't want to do that, right? I mean, people with, I have a client now who's probably up to 15 million top line, and he really doesn't want to obsolete himself. Mm -hmm. um, he, he, in theory, he he likes the idea, but he's also a bit of a micromanager and uh, doesn't want to let go of a lot of pieces of the company. Yeah, I've got a few um, clients like that too. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> that's a tough spot to be, because um, they're worried that okay, let's say I I. I turn 50 and I sell this thing for $50 million. What do I do now? It's like, well, that's a, that's a really first worldy problem if there was one, but it actually is a problem. First world problems are still problems and you need yeah. to figure out what you want to do with your time, preferably before you have an abundance of it on your hands because that leads to depression. Um, I mean, it can, it can lead to divorce. I know somebody who sold their company for $50 million and within a year they were divorced because they were tripping over the vacuum cleaner. They had their compass, everything about their life, which is attached to the business, disappeared. They got a big pot of money. Um, and then all of a sudden, he and his wife are at odds. And before you know it, <laughs> he's not living in his house anymore. Yeah. And a whole big a bunch of that money went to somebody else, and his world was turned upside down. So be careful what you wish for, you know, because you may get it. Yes, that is very true. So, okay, these seven categories, love, mm -hmm. the character yeah. disciplines, do you have like a goal or a, a something within each category that brings that category to success? Does each category have like a, a mantra or a direction? Well, we're trying to something? achieve balance, right? So I talk about these kind of pathways that exist between these silos because they are silo. Now, as your company grows and you get more and more headcount, 
Uh, now the challenges aren't necessarily relegated to um, the silo itself, but it's more intra-silo. How are things operating? Because they don't operate in a vacuum. And if you try to operate them in a vacuum, it's simply not going to work. It's a machine, right? Mm -hmm. So those, I, I, I refer to them as, as synaptic pathways, right? So there are these sort of synapses that where data travels back and forth between the development team and human resources or between finance and operations. And we're trying, again, we're trying to, to, to achieve balance between all of these various disciplines. And not only are we trying to achieve balance, but we're trying to grow and balance simultaneously, right? Okay. So as an so the goal of the seven categories is not what you do necessarily within each one, but it is maintaining connection and balance between them all. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to have them all. Even if you're a solopreneur, you've got all seven of them, where you, whether you care to admit it or not. Correct. Right. Your computer, your laptop might be the all you have in infrastructure. HR might just be you. Yeah. Right. Sales might just be you out there selling and marketing. Operations is just you doing everything. Customer support is you answering the phone and answering emails when when customers come in and have a complaint or when customers place orders or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So you're taking on all, even as the, you know, the business hobbyist, you know, maybe I'll adopt that term. I kind of like it. I kind of um, like it too, right? Yeah. I never so you're, heard it this You're week. just doing all those things. And the problem is it's not scalable, right? You, no, you just, it's not scalable. You, you have to start delegating, creating systems. See, it's interesting. I always taught five pieces, passion, strategy, marketing, financials, and systems. And for mm -hmm. me, marketing yeah. includes sales and branding, part of how I teach okay. and align them all within. Because most people in the larger corporations, they separate sales and marketing always to their detriment, right? That siloing always makes a problem. I don't think you can separate those two, right? Marketing is the generation of warm leads and sales is closing them. Exactly. The like and they it. have to work together. And when they, they don't, have to work together, I used yeah. to have an argument with one of my sales guys and he's like, marketing works for sales. And I'm like, no, sales works for marketing. He's like, no marketing works for sales. I'm like, well, guess who works for who? You work for me. Sales works for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I went. Right. And, and when a business turns down, what's the first budget that they cut? Marketing. It's like, oh, our sales have slowed. Let's cut marketing. It's exactly. Let's cut marketing so that we don't have any more warm leads. It's like, how about we less money? ripples down on money for the marketing so we can get more business in. <laughs> and even better, let's get the salespeople really, really busy making a ton of phone calls and outreach um, and not having any time to communicate feedback back to marketing that they're getting garbage leads. Let, let, let's just cut everybody off because everyone's got to be really busy doing their thing so that we can be successful. Yeah, super smart. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Anyway, so marketing <laughs> includes sales and branding. Um, systems is systems, operations. Right um includes the technicalities of customer support whereas the marketing piece includes the um foundational communications elements of, of customer support um human resources is in operations in my in my head mm -hmm. and finance is its own thing well, cross pollinate but human resources is its own discipline it's its own discipline mm -hmm. when you have a large enough company that you have human resources to deal with that are more than you or two people the first time you hire another person, if you're a solopreneur, you've created a human resources department, right? Correct. You had to go through the process. You had to build an SOP. You had to decide. Right, what SOP. Am I There's for? an operating. So that's why I put it under the operations bucket. Yeah, right. In my head. So I was, because I was years ago when I started teaching this, 
Um, we're going back at least eight years. I was trying to find a model. I hadn't seen any. And I was trying to find a model where I could take the different categories of business. And that was the one that, that I came up with. So I was trying to run yours against mine and see if I missed it. There's anything. a whole bunch of them. There's EOS. Everyone's got uh, theirs. And uh, Rocke I, you know, Vern Harnish's Rockefeller Habits. They all have elements. They all have the same thing. Meaning right, they just, break them down different. So I've got my five right. things. You've got the seven. This one has mm -hmm. that. But they all cover the exact same information. These really are the foundational business principles. However you slice, yeah. dice, and name them, they just they flow through again and again and again and again. So I want to I wanna change gears for a minute because there was something else in your bio that I found very intriguing, which is you have a 20-week program on how to manage your money. So once you've mm -hmm. earned a bunch of money as an entrepreneur, you've mastered connecting or creating synaptic connections between these seven silos and you're doing well and you're good at your two, you're getting better at the three and you're solving for the one, two Achilles heels chart. What do you do with your money? Yeah. What do you do with it? My, my, um, my goal was to create a, a system for people to manage and grow their money themselves, right? Mm -hmm. DIY it. Right. Mm -hmm. So everything you needed to know from your first savings bond to your last will and testament. And I broke it down into what I call three acts, right? Because I'm a screenwriter. That's such a great tagline. Right. Thank you. But, uh, um, and, but it really encapsulates what it's all about because you're never going to get a break from money unless you're, you know, a trust fund baby or, you know, you win the lottery or you're, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Those, but I bet those, you they, those, I bet no, you they still they have money. They don't get a break either. Them. First of all, trust fund babies don't get a break. Uh, because <laughs> they just bleed out all the money. And at some point it catches up with them either personally, relationship-wise. They pick up or bad habits or they develop some, some, uh, some uh, you know, less than stellar, um, you know, personal behaviors. Yeah. Um, like it's not, it's not super helpful. Lottery people, I think have the highest suicide rate. Like there is no escaping it. No, I know there, there, and there isn't, you're never going to get um, it. And the I think Jeff is, just had to part with a whole chunk of his money recently. Right. So I'm an engineer by training. So, so even though I like to do creative stuff, like write screenplays and do all that stuff, uh, that feeds that, that sort of right side of my brain. The left side of my brain is sort of systematic. So I broke it into three acts. And the first act, so it's 18 chapters. And each act is six chapters. And then the first one, by the end of the first one, you should really know your personal balance sheet, your personal income statement. You should have a snapshot of really where you are, regardless of how old you are, right? You should have an idea that says, okay, I have these assets and I have these liabilities, and here's my balance sheet, the same way that you would deal with a business, right? It's pretty much exactly the same. There's nuances in business like depreciation and other things that really don't come into play with you personally. No, you know, if unless, you're accounting and, personal assets, depreciation on homes or furniture. Yeah, or if you have investment properties, certainly. Right, uh, you're going to depreciate that, but you don't really have, um, you know, FF&E furnitures, fixtures, and stuff that you're depreciating that you're carrying as capital expenditures, and depreciating over time. So it's simplified so that by the end of this, but of the first act or the first six chapters, you know that I'm worth uh, three hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. Right, if I net it all out. Not only that, we we want to look forward to what I call contingent liabilities, which you would have in a business. So if I'm 35 years old and I've got two, two grammar school kids, 
what am I facing over the next 30 years? What's my decade of liabilities for child education? Well, uh, it's going to be about a million bucks per child um, all the way through to college is a rough, rough idea of what it's going to cost to take a child, you know, at least within a middle class socioeconomic um, world. It's going to be about roughly a million dollars to take them from zero to 18. Right. That's if you want to pay for their college and not have them, you know, take out usurious loans. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then think about your retirement. You're in your, you know, you've got a certain bandwidth for where, you know, your max, where you're going to earn a maximum amount of money. And then in theory, you're going to quote retire, whatever retire might look like. I just turned 62. So technically, I can start collecting uh, social security if I wanted to. I had no plan on doing it until a friend, friend of mine actually sort of raised my awareness about some things. And now I'm researching it. I write a twice monthly newsletter and I write about my personal situation and I write a lot of anecdotal stuff to do. Um, I try to take a, a, a different look at money than all the cookie cutter stuff that's out there on the internet. Mm -hmm. dive a little deeper and talk about personal experiences. Well, um, why wouldn't someone collect social security if they can? Could you have to stop working to get it? No, you don't. But if you are continuing to get a W-2, the government calculates that and they'll taper back to the point where eventually your benefits will disappear. Now they don't disappear. You just, you just sort of lose an eligibility for them. Uh, the sooner you take the money out, so at 62, you're going to get the minimum uh, benefit because I was born. I'm I was born in 59, so my retirement age is not 65. It's 66 and 10 months. Is so at 66 and 10 months, I get full benefit. At 62, I take about a 35% haircut, and at 70, I get about a almost 30% bonus. So if I wait longer, I get more of a bonus. And there were also that bonus goes roles. on ongoing. Yeah, and it's and it's till perpetuity. So right. if I take the haircut at sixty-two, it's forever. It's if forever. I take, if you the, take benefit, the bonus at seventy, it's forever too. It's forever too, right? Um, and then there were there were all sorts of different moving parts that I didn't. I, when I wrote my book, I wrote about social security, but I didn't really dive into it um, because I just thought very cavalierly, like, nah, I'll deal with it when I'm seventy because I don't really need the money for that. Mm -hmm. um, and now I look at it and say, huh, maybe maybe there's more to this situation. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?